This is the Limo Show 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 Show. Welcome back, guys. Welcome to the Limo Show. Uh, today, I'm with my friend Micah Lambert. He's a world-class divorce consultant. He's helping guys, you know, reframe the way they see their relationships with women, the way they see uh, even marriage, and uh, and you know, he's uh, he's an amazing guy. Um, and um, yeah, man, uh, I'm I'm super happy to to have you here today. Excellent, man. I'm I'm glad to be here. It's going to be a good time. Awesome. Awesome. So can you tell us a little bit about your, um, your story and you know, why you started, why, why a divorce consultant? Yeah. It's like we discussed before we started this show, you know, I went through a divorce myself, um, about three and a half years ago. And when I went out into the world, there were limited options for guys, you know, guys don't have a whole lot of options when it comes to this kind of thing. Um, I did study some pickup and went to several therapists and I really wasn't finding what I wanted there. So I started looking at, like I said, different modalities and ways for adjusting the human brain and behavior and wound up in this world of consulting men. Mm -hmm. Awesome, man. Awesome. And um, let's say, you know, you have a client right now. What, what is his most common you know, problem with like marriage and divorce? Uh, usually the most common problem is uh, lack of personal responsibility. I mean, if you're talking about what are they complaining to me about or what do I see when I, when I look at these situations, a lot of guys will come out of a divorce or out of a long-term relationship with an attitude that uh, this woman did this to me. And, you know, they don't really understand that we have so much more control over the situation than what is perceived and what we've been taught. So, you know, I do a lot of work with guys where we go down the road of looking at how you see yourself and how you show up in the world, how the world perceives you, um, and how much control do we have over that. So it's a lot of like, it, mostly it's a lack of ownership. Um, most guys, they don't, you know, they, they kind of, they have like the, this victim mentality. They think that uh, they've been victimized or they've been manipulated or something, or is it also? Yeah, yeah, yeah I would agree with that statement. I think, uh, I think they're nice guys. There's a lot of nice guys out there. You know, uh, these are guys that will, they run mother-son relationship dynamics with women in their lives. So it's tit for tit hat relationships all the time right if i do this she'll do that rather than just showing up and realizing that women by their nature are attracted to masculine men you don't have to chase anything it's just being who you are that creates the attraction level and the tension and everything that's that goes into uh relationship dynamics yeah, as long as you maintain that and you're on your purpose then over the long haul long-term relationships are even possible so it's you know it's not just about getting women in bed but about being the guy the man that you want to be and women show up absolutely absolutely I see a lot of guys also I mean you've seen it as well in the dating industry there's a lot of guys that you know work too much on the the technical stuff on like manipulating women a little bit at the beginning but they don't focus on having the great foundations, like the, the real, you know, deep masculinity mindset of like working on yourself and knowing thyself, like know, knowing deeply who you are and what you stand for, what kind of men you are, what kind of values you have, and, and really like being adamant about it with, with women. Because a lot of guys, I, I feel, and you, you've seen it as well, you told me, they, they compromise themselves too much, right? Yeah, it's even, even more than compromise. They don't even know who they really are. They're, uh, they're like a flag in the wind. You know, if a, if a woman comes along, they immediately jump into her frame or mindset in a, in a, a, a mental thought process of facilitating connection. And that's not how connection is built. We've been 
That's how, you know, you keep your mother happy. That's not how connection is built. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. So, so what, um, what, what thing you, you wish you knew before getting married? <laughs> Holy crap. Everything, man. Everything. <laughs> like top, top three, for example. Uh, top three. Um, <clears throat> I think, uh, the cons the number one for me, the concept that, uh, women are attracted to men that do what they want. And I mean that in not as a selfish asshole, but as on your purpose. If you, if you jump into a relationship with a woman and all of a sudden you lose your purpose, you got to think about it, dude, that's kind of a raw deal for her. She falls in love with this guy, builds attraction with this guy who is doing what he wants and living his life. And you get into a relationship with her and all of a sudden you pivot and pedestalize her and make her into the most beautiful thing in the world. That's not what she signed up for. She never asked you for that. That's not even part of the game, but something like 80% of the guys that uh, come through my program are those very guys. They pedestalize the women in their lives and women don't want that. They want a leader. They want, you know, a masculine frame to follow and fall into. And if I'd have known that when I was young, I think my life would have been considerably different. Mm -hmm. Awesome, man. Phenomenal answer. But I was wondering, like, okay, so let's say you're not, at the, can you have a masculine frame uh, after you've already established that you were a nice guy? Like, can you go from nice guy in the relationship to flipping it around and, you know, being, having a masculine frame, do you think you can, or do you, do you, do you need to establish a masculine frame from the start or it's over? Um, I think you need to establish masculine frame at the start, but I don't believe that it is a game ender if you haven't. I think if you're with a good woman and a woman who understands a woman that wants to be in her feminine, she's probably bitching at you all the time to step up and be masculine and be in your frame anyway. So that can be a simple process for a guy just to change his mindset and step into this new frame. But, and that's a big, but there is a reality that a lot of guys are paired with women who are not meant for them, that they have fallen into the woman's frame And once they reset that masculine frame, both parties find that that's not what they were looking for. Mm -hmm. So there is a, there's a high probability that you will come to some realizations as you step into this masculine frame and start to become self-aware and self-actuary and self-accepting that uh, may not be so pleasant to the woman that you're with. Yeah. A lot of the ideas that you're saying, um, I, I read. I read a book called, um, and I guess maybe you read it, like "The Way of the Superior Man" by D David Data. Awesome. Yeah, book. I've read that book. Yeah. Um, it. Yeah, it's. Uh, that's an excellent, an excellent book, by the way. Um, I'm not really into the spirituality component. You know, I'm much more uh, analytical and atheist about my approach to the whole experience. Yeah, but uh, I try to sterilize it and look at it from a very rational thought process as opposed to getting off into the spiritual weeds, which are very challenging to have a logical conversation about. Mm -hmm. He relates to you a lot uh, about like having your purpose. How do you think guys can, you know, reconnect with their purpose? Um. That is the biggest challenge, right, is how to find your purpose. But I find that when we let go of the things that we should do and start looking at what we want, not what we don't want, but what we want. Because if you, if, if I ask you, what do you, uh, you know, tell me, tell me what your future looks like. Ten years in the future, what does that look like? Most people will start out with the things that they don't want. Well, I don't want to be old. I don't want to be poor. I want to, you know, I want to have this. I want to have that. But typically they'll start with what I don't want. Mm -hmm. And if you approach the world from a what do I want mindset and start looking at scenarios that would fulfill you in this moment, maybe not your future, but in this moment, then you start to realize what your purpose could look like. 
And I find that as we, uh, as we start to facilitate some of these new ideas, we change and our purpose changes. The goal here is to find something that fulfills you and not other people around you. And I know that sounds selfish, maybe even a bit solipsistic, but that's how the world operates, really. The most successful are people who found their passion. You may not have a passion. You may, your passion may be stacking cash and having uh, you know, millions of dollars in the future. So right now it's time to buckle down and work toward that. That's a purpose. You're driven towards something deeper than a goal and further than a dream. Mm-hmm. Awesome, man. Yeah. And um, so th- there's a lot of inner work as well. Like they, they need to sit with themselves and really answer the, those questions deeply, right? Uh, they need to answer like what, what kind of men they are, what kind of life they want to live, what are the ideal companions for that life. And most guys, you know, in these days, they don't, they don't sit with themselves anymore. Like life is so frenetic that they don't actually take the time to define exactly, uh, you know, their, their worldview, uh, the type of life they want to live. And, um, and, and so in your work with guys, do you, do you have like a, a phase where you ask them to, to answer those questions, those kind of questions deeply, or how, how do you guide them to, to define, you know, what they want? Um, I find that by just teaching people, teaching men, especially the concepts of being self-aware or consciousness and some some uh, strategies and tools around mindfulness, you start to develop those natural inward-looking uh, behaviors, right? I'm surprised, blown away every single day by the guys that uh, I work with who don't realize our own level of consciousness, the idea that you know we are actually looking at ourselves picking up information through a filter and we have the ability to respond instead of react, having some emotional mastery and some consciousness of what this, our perception of this reality is, as opposed to what, uh, what our emotions and subconscious minds have triggered for us. It, uh, I think once a guy starts to realize what he really is and who he really is, that uh, purpose and those deep thoughts about oneself and self-acceptance come pretty easily after that. Yeah, true. And uh, yeah, so true, man. And you were, you were talking about marriage. And, um, you know, Albert Einstein, he said, he has a famous quote, and I don't know what you think about it, but I'd like to have your, I don't know, I'd like to know what you think about it. He said, Women marry men with the hope that they will change, and men marry women with the hope that they will never change. And so what do you think about that? I think that's a very impractical view of uh, human behavior. <laughs> we may think along those lines, and that, you know, that might be a true statement, but in actuality, we know that that is not how this works, right? Mm-hmm. This conversation I'm having with you will change you. Your conversation with me will change me. In every and any given second, we're constantly changing. We're fluid individuals. So the idea that I believe it works more like this. I believe that women fall in love with the potential of a man and men fall in love with the memory of a woman. (laughs) So it's not that women come into the dynamic and say, hey, I'm going to change this guy, but on a subconscious level, they fall in love with what he could be, which is part of, I think, our natural biological attraction. You know, the best gene pool uh, selection process would say that women would want to be able to fall in love with a man's potential and men would want to fall in love with the memory of the girl, right, as opposed to the 65 year old that they deal with every single day. Yeah, man. Love this quote. I just, so uh, actually, you know, I, I think there's some truth in it, but not so much. Yeah. I just wrote, I just wrote it down. It's a beautiful quote. So you said men fall with women with uh, the memory of, of who they, they should be. You said, and, and women, women were who they were. Okay. Yeah. 
and women marry men with uh, you know the the potential that they could have correct i think that's a very that's very common mindsets that show up in male female dynamics mm -hmm. that's great man yeah yeah what there's a saying also like women you know they want a man that will show her you know brighter days and better ways you know? yeah i i think uh i think women actually look at the world women like being around guys that create uh higher emotional experiences you know positives pluses um one of the speeches i give talks about the uh this concept that women actually learn from positive reinforcement and men learn from negative reinforcement. So things that are, that create reward and pleasure in a woman's experience are the things that she learns from and wants to repeat things that create pain and, uh, unpleasant situations for men are the ones that we don't want to, we learn from those quicker. You know, it's like, uh, if we go out on the savanna and we're successful every time our hunt, we're going to find something harder and bigger to chase and kill. Right. Mm -hmm. And when we start to fail at that, that's when our creativity comes out. That's when we really find new ways where women, if they make mistakes and get too creative in the gatherer mindset, they bring home something poison. Everybody dies in our scenario, maybe lose one guy. So women are much more driven by the positive than the negative. Yeah, and it, and it varies, right? Because some some women are more fine. Depends or on the individual. But yeah, I I'd agree that yeah, mostly yeah, it's it's true. So what what is the three top advice that you would give to someone that is about to get married? Um, about to get married, stand your ground, right? So this is these are part of some of the rules I've developed. Never supplicate, which means never beg, never ever beg if she doesn't want to do it just do it yourself and eventually you're going to figure out she's either your girl or not your girl one or the other number two never capitulate if you make a statement and you say this is the way it's going to be stand your ground women want a leader they do not want you to back down even if they're fighting you really really hard they don't want you to back down listen to rationale of course but standing your ground is very very important and then number three, I think the most important thing is realize that humans have an agenda. I know people will say, I don't know if that's right. I don't have an agenda. Everyone has an agenda, whether it's simple survival or it's gathering resources. Know that humans have an agenda. And then you will start to see it. It'll start showing up for you. So to me, those are the like three base. And you'll notice everything that I do in a, my advice, everything is geared more around you finding you as opposed to me giving you a prescription of exactly what to do. Mm -hmm. Love it, man. Love it. That was dope. The, those three was dope too. I'm sure the listeners are, are loving it right now. So I was, I was wondering, um, you know, if you were like, okay, from all that you've seen, from all the work that you've done with guys and, and marriage and divorce and even your own life experience, if you were the dictator of the universe, would you advocate marriage? Would you, would you ban it? Would you like, what, what, you know, would you eradicate marriage or not? And why? I wouldn't eradicate marriage. I think that the way the, the system is set up right now has some major flaws because of the legal connotation and the contractual obligation that is created. But I believe people by nature, humans are built and geared to pair bond, right? there's some chemical reaction that happens the serotonin dopamine oxytocin that hits our bodies when we're in contact with the opposite sex or whatever our proclivity is towards sexuality that causes us to want to be with them more and for some it's about raising children for some it's about security but i believe deep down in our lizard primal brain there's a desire to be pair bonded and connected. I do believe that marriage gives men the security of paternity and women the security of monogamy. So there's something to be said for that as a social structure as well. But I don't, personally, I don't believe that uh, marriage is some kind of strictly social institution 
that is negative for men and positive for women. I just, I don't believe that. I, I believe that it benefits both parties and it does have some inherent value. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But don't you think that in the West, especially in the United States, you know, the, the marriage rules and the way, you know, the, the way the, the government and the laws work, uh, they're very beneficial to women in case of a divorce or something like with the alimony, with all of that. What do you think about that? Um, I think that that is shifting slightly and honestly the court systems are just a bad place no matter what your gender. But uh, we do see that in the statistics, we see that uh, it is definitely not financially or emotionally beneficial for men in, on so many levels, on so many levels. The, uh, it's a contract, again, it's a, it's a legal binding contract for an event that is an emotional experience, there's a lot of negatives. So, yeah, so you, you, would advocate, you would advocate it anyway for someone that is like really in love with, with, the, with his other half? Um, I don't know. I, you know, I would have to, it's such a case-by-case -case, uh, scenario, Limo. It's, uh, you know, it's not, you can't, just say, hey, marriage is a pile of garbage and I wouldn't advocate men getting married at all because there is some need for financial protection and legal protection for children in that environment. You know, if you get killed and you're not even in a common law situation, your, your, your family would be challenged to maintain assets and lifestyle. There's a lot of issues there. If you become incapacitated, you know, do you fill out 10 different contracts? Yeah, that's a potential. It works for some people, but it's also highly risky depending on the person you're getting involved with. If you're a well-developed man, then I think maybe you can make better choices when it comes to mate selection. And there's potential that a, that a marriage is something you can, you can have without fear. But the way it's set up now, unless you really know your partner, I mean, really know them, I don't see the benefits to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what do you think about the biological aspect? Because I've read a lot of books about, you know, men's biology and you too, you must know a lot of shit about that. So like in a lot of books, they say that, you know, if you're a male that has alpha, kind of alpha genes, like you, you, you're wired to be kind of like. Um, you know, kind of, you have like some great, great genes and, and you're great. I mean, you're a leader, etc. Because you have those traits, uh, you have a lot of, you know, usually you have a lot of success with women. So you have a lot of options. And, you know, evolutionarily, we, we didn't really evolve, like, I mean, in the, the caveman's time, etc. To, to be monogamous, like, you know, the, the chief of the tribe or the leader of the tribe, he would you know, he would bang every hot chick in the tribe. You see what I mean? Like, it doesn't yeah. care. So how, what, what do you think about, you know, our evolutionary aspect of, like the evolutionary aspect of monogamy versus non-monogamy in men? Um, I believe that uh, my understanding is that by nature, men do lean toward a, uh, the monogamous mindset. If they don't have children, then they are going to be out and be prolific, right? But if they do have children, then monogamy is important because they don't really want to get into a long-term care strategy for children while the woman is non-monogamous and bringing other men's children into that environment. All of a sudden, your resources then are depleted by raising another man's kids. So patriarchy is very important in this process of monogamy and non-monogamy. When children are involved, men by nature want to create a monogamous environment. <clears throat> Women enjoy the benefits of that monogamy for the sake of security. Yeah. So I, that's the way I see monogamy showing up in our society now is it creates security for women. They know that this man is not going to have children with another woman and decide to pair bond with her. And that keeps him in the game as a provider and some uh, different thought processes that go through the woman's head. But 
for men overall, I think monogamy is a protection to paternity. So if you're thinking about raising a family, then you've got to build some kind of moral structure or fabric to uh, make sure that you can get these children at least to adulthood before you wind up splitting up and creating other concerns, dual resource uh, scenarios where you can't afford to keep both of your families alive, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. And um, what do you think of guys that, you know, they have children with a woman, but they also, you know, they also have sex with other women. Like they keep this uh, monogamous relationship with, it's not really monogamous, but it's monogamous with her only. Like he doesn't tolerate that she sees other guys, of course, but he can because he has, you know, he has so much, I don't know, so much fame, so much value, so much resources that she tolerates the fact that he uh, has sex with other women, but she doesn't. So we're, uh, we're talking about a, uh, a masculine open relationship where the man has the ability to go out and do whatever he wants and the woman uh, stays home and takes care of the children. Exactly. What do you think about that? I think there's there's a, a couple of things that come to mind. I mean, I'm not going to judge anybody here and say that that's a terrible lifestyle. But I will say that a woman that is staying home and taking care of children while her man goes out and does whatever he wants is running the risk of losing that man. So she has some type of strategy built right in her head, whether it's because of the marriage contract or because of a familial attachments, you know, her family or that she's going to wreck his reputation in some way. Right. Mm -hmm. She has, she's getting some security out of that as well as what she needs physically, probably while this guy goes and does whatever he does, but that doesn't look like a strong uh, connected relationship to raise children under it's uh it doesn't make sense to me to run that much risk of of loss of the patriarch and the family to another female another family and still be able to raise normal uh productive children in this world Mm -hmm. so i think that all depends you know culturally we see you know some european countries where this is uh, the norm. Um, There is also some theory out there that men who gain a certain level of power feel entitled to multiple women, whether that's true or societal. I mean, whether that's uh, part of our primal or whether that's societal, I don't know. I, you know, I, I don't have enough information to speak to that. But I think if two people can find a way to make things work and still provide their children with what they need to become productive adults. I say, knock yourself out, you know, go for it. I just don't know very many of those that work where they're, where the man is open and transparent and the woman is fully accepting. I don't know if that can work. There's some, you know, dynamics around female competition, anxiety, that create problems with that whole scenario. I, I just have never seen it successfully pulled off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, even in um, religion before, um, in, uh, for example, in Islam, even in the books, he, they say that you can marry, you know, up to four women, for example. And for centuries, people would tolerate it. And women, you know, a man, it would be normal for a man that has, you know, a certain level of power to have a harem of like, four women and it would be totally normal and they would be faithful, faithful to him. And it would be even like, uh, encouraged. Yeah. I think, uh, we're talking about two separate scenarios now though. That's the first scenario was that this guy would have a wife and children at home and then philander in any way that he saw fit out in the world where this scenario based around religion and the Paul, you know, the polygamist mindset is this man is committed to care for these women in some capacity, provide a roof over their head and make sure that their children are fed. Right. So if it's like that, if he cares and he, he provides resources, like he loves, he loves each one of them, 
but he's gonna still have sex with whoever he wants. You see what I mean? Yeah, I do. Uh, I, I can't necessarily, like I said, I can't knock anyone's system for getting through life. <laughs> yeah. I just don't see a lot of success in those type of scenarios. Okay. Mm -hmm. If we did, they would still be mainstream and part of society. Yeah, true. And because, um, you know, there's also this theory of hypergamy where if the guy has so much value, he can basically afford to have, you know, he, he can basically have multiple girlfriends because actually he has a lot of pre-selection and social proof, etc. Like a girl would love to be the third girlfriend of, uh, of Leonardo DiCaprio or Brad Pitt rather than, you know, the simple girlfriend of a, a random, you know, average Joe. See what I mean? Yeah, I do. This sounds like some, like uh, maybe Rolo Tomasi's mindsets, you know, exactly. where a woman would rather share a high-powered man than stay with a low-powered man. Yeah. You know, it's... Because uh, you can see celebrities, even in the States, you know, they have this kind of lifestyle. Yeah, I, I do believe that women have a hypergamous mating strategy, for sure. I mean, you know, men men have a concept of unlimited access to unlimited women and women have a mindset of is this the best i can do they their hypergamy says am i in a position where this is the best i can do so yeah if a woman can be third string to leonardo dicaprio yeah that's probably the best she can do mm -hmm. <laughs> interesting Awesome, man. So um, just a quick question. I'm just curious. Would you get married again? Um, it's got to be situational. You know, I can't say, yes, I think that's a great idea because I don't. <laughs> or I can't say, no, I would never do that again. You know, never say never. I'm very open to the possibility of a lifetime commitment to someone. I think the way my mindset is now is more like go with the flow. If uh, if it works, it works, and when it doesn't, change it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was wondering, you know, with these uh, evolving times of like, you know, it seems like there's a, a sexual Darwinism taking place right now with like Instagram, uh, social media. You know, girls have so much more options that before, you know, internet and social media, and even guys. And so it seems like you know, even the idea of marriage. I don't know, it's kind of getting underrated. You know, th there's a lot of uh, dynamics changing in, in, in the whole uh, dating and even, you know, marriage, et cetera, uh, world. So what do you think, what do you think is, are the evolving tendencies, you know, regarding that? I do believe that you're correct in, the, in your assertion that there is a, a sexual Darwinism in the way society is developing right now. The, uh, like you say, the Instagram girls that uh, throw pictures up and get thousands and thousands of followers, they have more options. But if we look at, you know, standard 80-20 rules as they apply to sexuality, there's still a lot of guys out there that are texting with girls and not getting laid. There, there's still a lot of girls out there that are chasing the same guy. You know, 20% of the men have 80% of the sex. Yeah. That's uh, the way the evolutionary system works, right? The high-functioning dominant males get the majority of the sexual experience. My whole goal with the guys in my world is to bring them up into that 20 percentile. You know, show them ways, simple ways. Things like physicality. Did you know that in the United States, 80% of the male population is overweight and 60% is obese? So just by getting out of the overweight category, you step into the top 20 percentile. Mm -hmm. Simple, simple processes to bring you into what this new and modern experience supposedly is. I think... Our primal brains, and I think the way that we build attraction and the way that we are driven toward each other hasn't changed at all. Women have these attitudes about men, but modern men are also not dominant. They are not assertive. They are passive-aggressive at best. 
And when a man shows up with confidence, and I don't care what he looks like, if he shows up with confidence, he's comfortable how he's dressed. He knows who he is and is on his purpose. He's attractive. I mean, I used to hang out with this kid, and I'm not kidding. He was like 5'6", 260. <laughs> he wore a polo shirt and shorts everywhere he went. I mean, everywhere, all the time. But he knew exactly who he was, and he got – and he was not attractive, not to women, not to men, not to anyone. But his personality and the way he showed up in the world, he got women all the time. That was – it was ridiculous. I was blown away by it. But it showed me something that it's it's about your confidence level and how you show up in the world that creates attraction. And women are still women, men are still men. That part of us that drives to each other is primal. It's in our lizard brain. It's part of our subconscious experience. So it uh we can talk about all the changes and everything that's happening and societal uh, issues with online dating and swipe dating, all of that is ways for that 80 percentile to get out and interact. But if you want to be in that top 20 percentile in the food chain, it's behavioral. You can meet your woman at a Starbucks, in the frozen food section, at the bar. It doesn't have to be the way that society says it has to be. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a skill set also. I mean, uh, most guys think, you know, they, they're going to magically become that person that is uh, attractive to other people in terms of, uh, you know, lifestyle, communication, and, and even masculinity. But uh, you, you need to work on yourself. It starts with yourself. And it's, it's a deep, deep uh, inner work and, and outer work. But uh, yeah, it starts with the mind. And I like what you said about... Uh, the fact, you know, the 80%, 20% thing, because I have a quote that I always say, it's like, women want to fuck with men that other women desire, uh, sorry, what, yeah, it's the same. Women want men that other women desire and other men admire. And it's exactly that. Yeah. I mean, they want a leader of men. They want a guy that um, has, you know, options and, and he's doing something and he's, and, you know, on his purpose, you know? Yeah, I think that leads us into maybe one of the most important concepts that men can have and that is the abundance mindset anytime we get hung up on the idea that we have to supplicate or we have to change our viewpoint because this is the one this is the only i have to do everything i can to keep this person if you don't keep yourself and you don't keep your purpose you won't keep a person and this idea that you can do anything to make a woman stay with you or make a partner stay with you is in itself scarcity. It is what it is. If you are being who you are and you're staying on your purpose and she doesn't like you and wants to go fuck somebody else, she's not your girl, dude. She is not your girl. It is time for you to move on. But if you're doing what you want to do and you're living your purpose and you are a happy man, and she's a happy woman, she's going to stay with you. And it's just going to be what it's going to be for as long as it's going to be. Yeah, men need to learn more of this ability to walk away. You know, they, they, sometimes they, they, want it, they want to make it work. They need it to make it work. And they need to understand that if they need it to work, it's not going to work. And they need to, to, you know, to walk away sometimes. And, and it's, a, you know, it's self-selection. It's a triage. How is he game, you know, dating, whatever? It's a triage. You convey yourself. You communicate your value. And, 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 and then either they opt in or, or they opt out. And that's it, you know. Correct. And that's the same whether it's in, uh, you know, your first interaction when you're playing pickup or when you've been with this woman for 35 years. It's the same. You have to have the same mentality. There is never any, uh, this expectation of outcome creates that scarcity mindset. She's going to love me for the rest of my life. She might not, dude, and you'll be okay if she doesn't. Because there's 3.8 billion more women on this planet. You cannot even date all of them. There are so many women. There is so much abundance out there for partnership, connection, sex, whatever it is you're looking for. It's, uh, you have to have that mindset as you approach this and as you live with a woman.
whenever you get to that place where you feel like you have to work for it or you need her in your life, then it's not fun anymore. Then it's uh, then it becomes life robbing and life sucking. And the next thing you know, you're in someone else's frame and living a life that is not yours. No purpose. Awesome, man. Yeah, we're going to wrap up soon. I, I just wanted to kind of touch on um, just a little more about the cultural aspect. You know, don't you think that a lot of guys have this, um, you know, Rolo Tomasi or, you know, a lot of the red pill guys, they, they call it the one itis frame. Yeah. And, and uh, don't you think that a lot, of, a lot of the culture, I mean, you know, the, the Disney movies, romantic movies, etc., played a large role into feminizing men or having that, that frame that they needed to work. See what I mean? Yeah, I do. Uh, honestly, I think this is what I believe. I believe that most men today have been taught mother-son dynamics in male-female relationships. You only have one mother. You can't choose another one. She has absolute control over you in your first seven years to eight, ten years of life, right? If you make her angry, she will make your life miserable, whether she beats you or cuts you off or abandons you or whatever the case may be. It's, she's the only one you have. And when you take that same mental dynamic of mother-son into your male-female relationships, women do not want to be your mother. Women do not like having sex with children. They want to be in a relationship and are attracted to men, leaders. So when you use mother-son dynamics in the beginning, or you look at this thing as some romanticized, you're going to get to be open and tender and sweet with this person all the time, that's not what she's looking for. There is a place for romance, but there's also a place for leadership and a place to be that head of this beast that is a relationship. If, uh, and we know this, I mean, that's part of what makes men attractive is men who are assertive, not necessarily dominant, but assertive and know what they want and are willing to stand up for that. In a mother-son dynamic, that does not happen. So guys go out into the world and they're looking for their mother. And they want to find a woman who loves them the way they are. They don't have to make any changes. And a woman that uh, will take care of them. All of the, all of the sought-after attributes of a good mother. Instead of a good woman, a partner, someone who will hear what you're saying and understand what you're saying, give you positive feedback without trying to fix the situation. You know, all the advice that men get in long-term relationships with women, women should also use those same tips and tactics in their male relationships. A good woman is someone who realizes that a man needs to be a man and has a different masculine frame than the feminine and appreciates that. We're not seeing that in our society. We see women who are looking for Prince Charming, which is some kind of emasculated male and men who are looking for their mothers and want to get into covert contracts, tit for tat, Madonna whore complex mentalities with women, as opposed to just being the friggin' leader, stand up and be the man and be this purpose-driven, forward-driven human being. And then the women find you attractive. So it's a, uh, we're in a real weird situation right now where I think long-term committed relationships are far and few between because very few people understand what needs to happen. Mm -hmm. Awesome, man. Awesome. I, I love your answer. And uh, yeah, I totally agree about, you know, everything you said. Um, and and what, what do you think about, because, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of red pill guys, you know, posting, because I follow this shit. I, I love those kind of subjects and like the manosphere, et cetera. And a lot of the guys say, you know, we're going to evolve in, uh, you know, the, the next modern marriage will be based on, you know, co-parenting. Like it's a kind of a, a contract where um, you're not legally married. Uh, you don't have a legal marriage, but uh, you have you sign something together for parenting and you keep your finances separate. 
you keep, you know, you have maybe um, a residency, you have two residences, maybe one with the girl and one yourself. You see what I mean? Like, it's kind of like, you know, they, you're just there to co-parent the kid and you, you have a loving relationship, but you also have options. Have you heard about co-parenting before? Yeah, I have. Uh, I, I don't, I mean, I understand that that's a possibility, but we're, uh, you know, my crystal ball has been off for about five or six years now, so I'm not sure. Uh, but I don't see us ever breaking free from the uh, primal subconscious way that we are attracted to each other. Um, if we if we had that capability, we would see simple uh, parts of pickup become familiar to women and then no longer work anymore. And that's not how it works. Um, we would see social uh, constructs and concepts start to actually physically change the way humans interact. And it, that hasn't happened either. So yes, we might see some morph into some societal contract of co-parenting, but I don't know that we will ever be able to break free from this idea that men and women live together as they raise children. Um, there's some statistical data that says children who are moved back and forth, shipped back and forth between houses, never get a solid foundation. We know from the psychology world and psychiatry world that in the first 14 years, children are the most impressionable. So if we start a, a new process of raising children without fathers or without mothers, we wind up seeing a lot of disorders that show up as we see today. You know, uh, men with bipolar and BPD and suicidal tendencies that are and follow through in suicide that is astronomical. Um, a lot of that has been attributed to the way the family structure is uh, has divorce and single parents seem to have a higher rate. So there's, I don't know, I, you know, I, I feel like nature has a tendency to balance itself out. We, uh, if we socially change to a point where we're producing negative results, evolution has a tendency to kill off that line. And the most successful is the way that it goes. So, you know, we fight these things all the time, but not realizing that because of the way evolution works, it is what it is. So, it, you know, I don't see us, I don't see a society where this becomes some co-parenting, everybody, you know, keeps their resources separate, maybe in New York City, but the state of Kentucky and, you know, Montana, Wyoming, you're going to see traditional relationships and children and families the way they always have been. So it's, it just depends on where you're at in the world, how it works socially. But from a evolutionary behavioral standpoint, I don't see much changing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally agree, man. And I think Aristotle said also, um, give me, no, what did he say? He said, I think, uh, give me the child for the first seven years and I'll give you the man or something like that. You know? Yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, you can definitely shape someone in those first seven years. And we find that the best outcomes come from children who have a mother and a father and some very traditional uh, rite of passage type experiences that help children step into manhood so or adulthood it's uh i don't see that changing mm -hmm. i feel like the role of a dad is really to make his son or, or daughter or whatever um the most competent you know being he could be like you know you see what i mean i do i have a son he's 23 years old and i think the the most important thing that i could pass on to him was the ability to self-learn. When you can teach your children, whether they're boys or girls, how to pick up books, how to do the research, and how to learn, it gives them, at any point in their life, it gives them the ability to change any negative experience that they've run into. Yeah. When you know, we teach you teach a man to give a man a fish, teach a man to fish. You know, you've heard the old saying, right? Awesome. And I think that's the same with our children. Awesome, yeah. Uh, so kind of the last question, um, you know, if you could have the dinner with any 
three people dead or alive, you know, who would it be and, and why? Who influenced you or who would you like to, you know, be influenced from? Like, what are the three people? Well, right now, I, uh, I, I like Robert Greene. I think he's yeah. alive and I would love to just sit down with him and have uh, a couple of cocktails and a dinner. What, what's, your favorite, what's your favorite book from him? Uh, his most current book, I think, is uh, Laws of pretty, yeah, The Laws of Human Nature, which is pretty exceptional. That's a pretty exceptional book. Yeah. A lot of research, a lot of information. Yeah, I like the last chapter about death. I don't know if you read it. Um, it's pretty deep. Yeah, I, I have. I, uh, I, I enjoyed that as well. I liked the way he looked at it. There's a book out there. I believe the guy's name is, uh, I could be wrong. It might be Mark Singer. It's called the untethered soul. That really uh, yeah. gets spiritual book. Yeah, it's a spiritual book, but, uh, there's a lot of, uh, consciousness concepts that I find, uh, really really powerful really interesting mm -hmm. thanks for sharing man yeah a lot of people uh, also you know talked about this book i should read it yeah yeah it's well worth uh i mean it's a six and a half hour read something like that so it's well worth the consumption you won't uh you won't hate it at all awesome Awesome, man. Thank you so much. How, how could people work with you? Like how, uh, how could they find you and how, how does it work if they want to work with you? So I, uh, I have a website you can go to. It's micahlambert.com. That's M-I-C-A-H-L-A-M-B-E-R-T.com. Um, you can contact me there. My email is there. There's a form you can fill out there. Um, I have a couple of different ways of working with people. I have a six-week program that is specifically for divorce and breakup recovery that walks guys through 10 rules and some new behaviors, five different books to read that uh, help a guy move past and deal with the grief and rebuilding the confidence inside his uh, mindset before he goes back out into the dating world. Um, I also do one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching. You can schedule that on my website or my Facebook page. And that can be long-term, short-term, whatever anybody needs. But that's uh, the website is the best way to get a hold of me. You can look me up on Facebook um, at Adjust Your Mindset. That's my uh, company page. Awesome. So and, check him uh, out, guys. That's the best way. Yeah. So check him out, guys. MicahLembert.com. Uh, awesome guy and uh, yeah man thank you so much for being here uh, it was an awesome talk um, and uh, yeah uh, I wish you the best and uh, I hope uh, we get to to do that again you know in the future you know we, we never know we might you know cross each other's path one day but yeah it was awesome thank you Limo